Amen. Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, this morning, and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28, verse 30 and verse 31. That means we're looking at the final verses of the book of Acts. You're measured in your response. I see that. That's wise, very wise. Those of you who have not been here with us, we've been looking at the book of Acts since January, the first Sunday of January. So all of 2019 on Sunday morning, everybody would come and they would automatically turn their Bible to the book of Acts. But today we are in the final verses of the book. And I'm grateful that Darlin was very, um, well, he was very wise in the way he offered his prayer a moment ago. Because he looked at me and he said, is this the end? Is this it? And I said, yes. He said, so should I give God thanksgiving during the offertory prayer today? I'm proud you didn't. I know your brother-in-law and your sister are here with you today. And, of course, uh, his brother-in-law served as my associate pastor down at First Zachary. So it's great to see Les and Delisa. But I'm proud you held yourself back, restrained yourself, especially with their being here. It would have been bad to be embarrassed by the preacher. All right, Damon? Acts chapter 28, talk about the story. I love stories. I really do. I love a story if it's on the page. I love a story if it's on the stage. I love a story if it's on the screen. I love a story even when it is verbally spun in front of me. I love a story. Now, I evaluate different stories depending on who, tells, who would tell me those stories. For example, if Bill Cox tells me a story, I'm especially going to scrutinize that story and the details of it. But I love stories. I love stories. And I hope you do too. And listen, Dr. Luke is one of the greatest storytellers that you would ever find. And when you look at Dr. Luke and you hear what he has to say to us, we know that every fact is true. Every story that he gives us, every narrative is accurate. That he writes under the inspiration of the Spirit and he tells us about the greatest story ever told. He tells us about the story of Jesus Christ and how God works through him and then how God continues the work through his church. Now, remember, Luke wrote two books in our Bible. The Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, when you look at them in volume itself, just in the length, Dr. Luke writes more of the New Testament than anybody else, even the Apostle Paul. And in that first gospel, the, the gospel of Luke, his first volume, I should say, he tells us about what God did through the one, through Jesus. And then in the book of Acts, Luke tells us what God did through the many, the church how God continued the story. If you remember back in January now, think back with me for just a few moments. All the way back to January, I told you that Acts is like a sequel. It, it, it's like a sequel to the movie. It's like Luke says, let me tell you about Jesus. This is how he came and ministered and sacrificed for us, how he died, how he rose again. He gave us the first volume. And then he writes about how the church goes forth proclaiming that good news of life in Jesus Christ. He gives us that story in the sequel 
in the book of Acts. So I want you to see today, though, how Luke will punctuate his book, how he will speak to us about how I think the story goes on. So beginning again in verse 30 of the 28th chapter of Acts, it says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So the apostle Paul had finally reached Rome. And remember when God says you're going to go to Rome, you're going to go to Rome. He's going to complete that work for you. He's going to do something in your life. If he tells you he's going to He's going to work in your life and fulfill this plan, then you can count on him. We talked about that last week. And Paul gets to Rome. And Luke just summarizes it for us. He says, for two years, Paul is there under house arrest. He's there in a rented house. He has some type of freedom, obviously. He's not in a dungeon somewhere. He's just, he's just in this captive state. He's in this house arrest where he has some type of freedom to be able to preach and to share Jesus Christ. And this is how Luke ends the book of Acts. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read through it, I almost need some more closure. There's a part of me that says, all right, Luke, tell me what else happens. Because we know Paul does more ministry. Is this the time when Paul would face Caesar and and, and would he die in martyrdom? Would he do, or would he be released? And would he go and minister to Spain and other places? Luke, tell me more. It, it's like I want a little bit more. This is like a cliffhanger, right? In some sense. You've seen a cliffhanger? Usually, a season finale would be like a cliffhanger, right? Some of you watch certain series. Do you? You don't know whether you should answer or not. Yes, some of you watch TV, and you have gotten hooked on certain series, and you know the way the buildup is. It's like you've got to watch the last because something major is going to happen. You, you want to see how they will end the season. So, so you'll look with anticipation. You, you'll set your DVRs maybe, or you'll make sure that you're going to be home that night to be able to see it because you want to see what happens. Well, this is a cliffhanger. It's like the series finale. But what you really hope from Luke is he'll give you, well, this is like a season finale. What you really want from Dr. Luke is a series finale, right? You want it to be all wrapped up neatly, or I do. I'm kind of one of those, like, I got to have everything spelled out. like to have a crisp, clean conclusion of the matter. I get aggravated. When they leave me hanging, I get aggravated. I, I think I shared with you, one of, one of my favorite trilogies would be The Lord of the Rings. Now, I know some of you just lost a lot of respect for me, and that's okay. I love Lord of the Rings. I had never heard anything about it, really. I'd never seen anything. I went to my first Lord of the Rings uh, movie. I was in Picayune, Mississippi. I decided that I would venture into the movie theater, which was a journey in and of itself in Picayune, Mississippi. <laughs> movie theaters in Picayune, almost like those in Bogalusa. And I said, 
you know, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to watch this. And I watched it. I mean, three hours I invested my life in that movie. And at the end, I hate to uh, spoil this for some of you who may not have seen it, but at the end, they're just there at a mountain looking over the horizon, just getting started on their journey. And it ends. I looked at Leslie and I said, what is this? And she said, you didn't know that way that ends? I said, I didn't know it was going to end like that. She said, you need to read a book. <laughs> I said, I said, you didn't tell me that it was going to be like that. I'm going to have to wait two more years to see the final act of this movie. She said, again, you can read a book. I like everything to be tightened down and, and closed for me, especially even when you think about sequels coming together or you think about uh, series finales. But here, look, just, he, he just kind of leaves it open. There have been so many people who tried to figure this out. Some believe that Dr. Luke was going to write volume three, and he was going to tell us about how Paul was definitely released and how he ministered in different places, how he went to Spain and other areas, and then how he died a martyr's death at the hands of Emperor Nero. Some people believe that. Some people believe that he didn't want to face the death of Paul. He just wanted to end it right here so that it would be a good note for everybody to end on. I believe that what we have in Scripture is exactly what God intended for us to have in Scripture. I believe the Holy Spirit chose every word and chose every narrative as he spoke through the writers of each Scripture. And I believe God intended it to, have, to give it to us just like we have it today. Because I think as I read through this and as I understand it, what God wants us to know is that the story goes on. There is no definite punctuation here. There is no period. Rather, it is open-ended because the mission of God continues. This wasn't about Paul. We didn't need to know necessarily about his death because the book itself was not about Paul. It was about the good news of Jesus as it was going forth. The focus is on the gospel. And at the end of the book of Acts, what is happening the gospel is being spread. The preaching of the kingdom and the teaching, the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. That in the end, the gospel is still going forth. Even though there, is, there may be house arrest, there may be authorities, the gospel is still going forth. The story still goes on. And with that in mind, I want to share with you some of the elements of the story. Most of the elements that we see today are still the same. But let me look at this book with you once again and maybe bring it together as you think about the story that goes on in your life, that goes on in my life, the story that goes on in the life of the church. First of all, I would say the plot of the story is still the same. The plot of the story is still the same. What was the plot there in the book of Acts? The plot was again advancing the kingdom of God, allowing the gospel to go forth, allowing the good news. Remember, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we have the outline of the whole book. 
And it sets up the plot for us, the main thrust of the story. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before Jesus ascends into heaven, what does he say? He tells the people, he tells his disciples to wait. Just wait. He says, for you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And the Holy Spirit is going to be given to you. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And he is going to give you power and he's going to give you strength to fulfill that mission and that purpose. So think about the motive. Think about the plot that is. That the gospel is going to go forth into all the world. We saw it. I mean, we've studied it. It, it did exactly what God said it would do, right? The gospel went to Jerusalem and then Judea to Samaria. And now here Paul is in Rome, which is like the center of the empire, the center of the world. What Luke said, shows you is that God's power has, has empowered the mission itself. And now you have the worldwide evangelization, the, the gospel going forth to all of the world. That was the plot. But hey, isn't the story still going on as it relates to the gospel getting to the world? There are still individuals in our communities, in our state, in our nation, and among the nations themselves. There are still individuals who are lost, dying on their way to a place called hell. And the only solution and remedy, the good news of Jesus Christ. So I want you to see that the story still goes on. The, the message still has to be proclaimed and taught. Since I'm borrowing upon this literary type of theme this morning, I'll never forget Mr. Charles Covington, who was my high school Bible teacher. He was tremendous in the classroom. People loved him and he could teach the Bible. And he also coached cross country. He was named, I think it was the national cross country coach of the year. Now, I didn't run cross country. I know I look like I have the physical physique, <laughs> but I didn't do that. I just decided I would commit myself to studies. <laughs> so, Mr. Covington used to tell us as we would sit in Bible classes, he said, when you look at all of eternity, when you look at history itself, you can see it divide out into three different areas. He said, when you think of Genesis, for example, and you come all the way up through the Gospels, you might call that providing salvation because God was providing salvation in his son, the Lord Jesus. He said, when you get to the book of Acts and you follow it through the epistles and even unto this age, he said, you might call that proclaiming salvation because now the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, they go forth proclaiming salvation. And he said, if you look at the last act, if you look at Revelation 4 onward maybe, the last act, you would call it perfecting salvation. As we would one day, of course, stand perfected before the very presence of Jesus Christ. He said you would provide, God provided, 
There's the proclamation and there's the perfection, he said. Well, we're in that age where we proclaim. We tell people who Christ is. And Jesus is still, he is still the one that can change lives. He is still the one that can bring salvation to people's hearts and lives. So I want to just say to you, the plot is still the same. Think about today. I was reflecting this week upon all that is going on in the life of our church. This morning, we have a team who would be leading worship in Calgary, Canada. They left yesterday. They're working with a church plant there that we've worked with several different times. Tomorrow, tomorrow, they will begin soccer camps in communities to reach out to individuals, to hopefully introduce them to the Lord Jesus. We have a team there. And I'll tell you, I'm kind of missing it myself. This is the first time in about three summers that I have, I have not been there with my family doing those kinds of things. Again, I think it's just the athletic pull for me to do those soccer camps. I'm not sure what it is, but it's... This morning, we have people that are preparing to come back from East Asia. People that have been over there for the last week plus who have instructed individuals in basketball camps, but much more importantly, I've gotten reports that they've been able to share Jesus Christ with those in that nation where Christianity is basically banned and persecuted this week. I think tomorrow, it's at least this in the next day or two, our gen senders who have been in Calgary and Boston and Chicago and Puerto Rico and beyond, our college students who have been serving with NAM, they're coming home after several weeks of sharing the gospel in their specific locations. And that doesn't count the people who are serving as wind-shaped counselors, Camp Fuego and other camps that have gone on this summer. It doesn't count all the different ones. You see, the story of Acts continues. And it continues in our lives. The plot is still the same. What are we to do? We are to carry the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as high as possible because the Bible says if we lift him high, he will draw all men unto himself and they will know salvation and forgiveness in life. How incredible it is to know that the story still goes on. I would say to you that the setting and the conflict are still the same. I want to put those two elements together, the setting and the, and the conflict. Because usually in a story, you have the setting and you also have some type of conflict that is there. I want, to, I want you to think again of the story of Acts. The story of Acts. The setting would be what? Well, just as I mentioned a moment ago, it'd be like the world. It would begin right where you are and then it would spread out into the nations. This is what's incredible to me, that I know that you and I could be examples right where we are. I mean, we could literally be sharing the gospel with the person across the street, and we should. Because as much as I love Rustin, 
And I do love it, don't you? No offense to those of you in Zachary anywhere. I love Rustin. Don't you love Rustin? I told people this week, I wasn't born here, but I got here as soon as I could. As much as I love Rustin and I think about the biblical orientation we, we find in our churches and our community, you don't miss this. There are still lost people around you. There are lost people in your family. There are lost people who are your neighbors. There are lost people that you work with each day. There are lost people that you go to school with. The setting is still the world full of lost people. The book of Acts, it is a setting, a world full of people that need the hope of Christ. And it began in Jerusalem because there were lost people there. And it went to Judea and it went to Samaria and went to the nations. I mentioned to you a moment ago just some of the mission activity that's going on this week or that's wrapping up this week. And as I shared the other Sunday night, I'm amazed that God would give us such opportunity. When I grew up at Birmingham Ridge Baptist Church, I heard about mission trips. My pastor would often go down to Honduras on a medical mission trip, and he would come back and he would tell us about it. I would remember thinking to myself, how can a preacher go on a medical trip? And he would say that he would just assist and do whatever the medical technicians told him to do. He would just, just and I thought, you know, if he could do that, even on a medical, it'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. But as a young boy, I sat there, I think, and I thought to myself, could I ever really do that? I mean, I'm just, look, I'm at a small church, Birmingham Ridge Baptist Church, and I'm just a small community, and people not, and my mama always told me I wasn't going to be moving anywhere else. I was going to stay there with her the rest of my life. So how? Isn't it amazing how God gives us opportunities that we never deserved, that we never thought could happen, that we could be a part of a story with a setting of a worldwide venue? The setting is the world, but... The conflict also comes from the world. Now, when I use that term world in the second case, I'm talking about like an evil system that seems to be set against God's priorities and God's kingdom. I use the word world here to, dis to speak about conflict because I want to use it in the way that John would use it later on in his epistles about how the world would stand against the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about flesh and blood. Flesh and blood are not our enemy. I'm talking about the principalities and the powers that come against us. The book of Acts, there are all kinds of principalities and powers that come against the kingdom of God. I mean, read through it. It's constant. Sometimes it's internal conflict. Sometimes it is external conflict. Sometimes it would be the murmuring of the people of the church that could threaten the very advancement of the gospel. Sometimes it would be Jewish councils or Gentile rulers that look like they stand in the way of the gospel's growth. There's a conflict. But as I've shared with you, 
As I've seen the conflict in Acts, I'm reminded that, yes, we face conflict today, some of the same conflict. Listen, Satan is still trying to take away from the kingdom of God. The culture is growing more and more hostile toward the good news. But the good news was able to overcome the conflict then. And listen to me, the good news is powerful enough to overcome the conflict now. How were they able to do it? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what uh, Jesus had told them. As a matter of fact, some people would say that the title of this whole book should have been the Acts of the Holy Spirit, not necessarily the Acts of the Apostles. Because the Holy Spirit was the one. He was the one who had given them the power that they needed. I went back and I opened up my dissertation this week. I think it's about the third time my dissertation's ever been uh, opened up. But I did my dissertation on the evangelistic preaching of one called Dr. Bob Hamlin, who preached at Temple Baptist Church many, many years ago, Dr. Robert L. Hamlin. And Bob, as he would teach those young preachers down at New Orleans and as he would share about evangelistic preaching, he said this. He said that never are we more in need of the Holy Spirit's power than when we witness to somebody else. And never is the Holy Spirit so readily accessible to us as when we witness to somebody else. The Holy Spirit gives us power. He gives us strength. So when the conflict of the world comes against us, when all the things, when, listen, when you are even fearful to share Jesus with some, and, and you can be fearful, right? It's okay to admit it. There could be times. Hey, I shared with you. I was in college, Blue Mountain College. I got to go to Salt Lake City. I was sent on a missions evangelism team by the Mississippi Baptist Convention to go to Salt Lake City to attend the Southern Baptist Convention in 1998. And you know what they did? They sent us door to door. May I suggest to you that Salt Lake City might be a hostile environment to a Southern Baptist? <laughs> I went door to door and I knocked. I remember the first one I went to, knocked. And I sat there after I knocked and I said, Lord, please don't let anybody be at home. Lord, please don't let anybody be at home. Please, please, please. Because I was going to say, God, I was faithful. I went, but nobody was there. You've got to give the opportunity. And that door opened. And I remember in that moment, it was as though the Holy Spirit came upon me and gave me the absolute power I needed so I could voice this evangelism presentation to this individual that was there. Isn't it amazing how God gives you everything you need when you need it? The Holy Spirit. Look, folks, I'm all for education. I spent so much of my years in education. I'm all for giftedness, all for all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you that you and I cannot accomplish anything. We cannot base our, our successes or our efforts on our programs or our finances or our education. The only way we will ever see the witness of Christ extended as it should is through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives.
So he's preaching and teaching. Paul is. As he's there in the heart of the empire. And for us again, the setting and the conflict may be the same as they faced in the book of Acts. But we have the same power, the Holy Spirit in our lives. The characters. Well, the characters are the same in the sense that the characters today are everyday people like the everyday people of the book of Acts. But they're different in that they have different names today, right? The characters. When you read through, when you read through the book of Acts, you'll see people named Philip and Peter and Paul and Aquila and Priscilla and John Mark and Silas and Barnabas. You see all these different names. And sometimes we elevate them into a different type of dimension for us as we think about them. But they were everyday people, just like you and me. They were everyday folks. How do I know it? Acts 4.13 said that as the Sanhedrin had been interviewing these disciples in particular, that they noted, they noted how they were ignorant and unlearned people, but yet they marveled at the power and the boldness with which they spoke. Now, again, how did they accomplish that? The Holy Spirit. But also, it's interesting in Acts 4.13, it says, they noted that they had been with Jesus. When you've been with Jesus, it's amazing how you can voice the good news of who he is and what he's done. Listen, if you've been with Jesus, it should have totally changed your life. And the people who went forth, and they couldn't help but just tell people, Paul, listen, Paul here, he's teaching, he's preaching. Why? Because he met the Lord and Savior on the Damascus Road, and he had never gotten over it. And you and I, we're characters in this story. We're everyday people just like they were. But we, again, have different names. We may have a name like Joe. We may have a name like Emily. We may have a name like Zach. We may have a name like Liz or Wanda. We may have a name like Mike or Shane. But I say to you, that you are still characters in this story. And the story still goes on. May I ask you this question? May I ask you this? What part are you playing for the gospel story right now? If the story still goes on and it's being told, how are you being written into the story? How are you accomplishing? How are you being effective for the kingdom of God right now? It is a question all of us should face. How are you promoting the gospel of Christ in your family right now? Grandparents, parents, children, whoever you are, how are you promoting the gospel of Christ, the kingdom of God right now in your family? How are you doing it? How are you doing it in your workplace? Well, you know, they don't allow me to do certain things. I'm going to tell you. 
if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot help but in your example give forth a testimony wherever you are. Now, I know we have to be wise. I know we have to be discerning. But folks, the way we live our lives should be different from the way the world lives its life. When people note a difference in you and they ask you, you should be able to tell them right there on the spot, I live differently because I have the Holy Spirit of God living in me because Jesus Christ saved me from my sins. He has done something different. And every day I'm seeking to serve and to follow him. What are you doing in your workplace? Some of you are team members. Maybe you're on a baseball team or football team or swim team or track team or cross country team. What are you doing to influence the rest of the group for the kingdom of God? Because you are characters in this story. God has brought you in if he has saved you. And you are characters. Oh, that story that I gave you some time ago. And remember, I told you it was a fable. So don't look for it in Scripture. Don't go home and try to tell your grandparents and, who go to another church, and then all of a sudden I get phone calls tomorrow. It's a fable, okay? But the fable goes something like this. It says that Jesus Christ had finished all of his work here on this earth. He had been resurrected, and he ascended into the Father. And as he went in to see the Father, the angels greeted him. And one of the angels said, hey, Jesus, we're so proud. We heard what you did. We heard what you accomplished. We heard that you left a great government, an earthly government there to set up your kingdom. To which Jesus said, no, I I didn't didn't leave an earthly government down there. I didn't didn't do that. Oh, uh, one of the other angels said, no, He's mistaken. I know you left a great military army because there's a great military army that's marching across that globe. And that military army by force and by violence will subdue everything that stands against you. Jesus looked at that angel and he said, no, I didn't. I didn't leave a military army. And then the two angels scratched their heads Because it would seem like if you're going to establish a kingdom, you would have left an earthly government or maybe a military troop. And they said, Jesus, then what did you do? And Jesus said, I had 12, plus a few more. One of those 12, they betrayed me. So I left 11, plus a few more. And the angels said, what? You left 11 what? I left 11 followers, disciples, and a few others who had trusted me. And the angels were so puzzled to think that Jesus would entrusted the kingdom to such a few to make a difference. And yet... I submit to you that we sit here in Ruston, Louisiana, a long way from Jerusalem, a long way. We sit here this morning in a beautiful sanctuary. We sing songs of worship and praise. We open the Bible and we study about the story of Jesus. Why can we do this? Because 11 
plus a few others, turn the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I say to you that if God can take those individuals and he can continue the story, then he can take us in this place and he can radically affect and impact the story of the world itself through our witness, through the gospel presentation. You don't think we couldn't at least turn Rustin upside down? Or Lincoln Parish? Or Jackson Parish? Or Union Parish? Or Bienville Parish? You don't think we couldn't turn our region and the state and, the, and our nation and the nations? The conclusion is usually the part of the story, the element that we most look forward to. And in some sense, the conclusion of the book of Acts is the same as today, but it is a little different as well. What do you mean by that, Reggie? Luke ends the book with one word. Now, it's translated differently in the King James here, or the New King James. It says... No one forbidding him. Takes a few different words. He's kind of like a preacher, right? Takes more words to say simple things sometimes. Just one word. It means unhindered. <laughs> Here's Paul preaching and teaching in house rest, and he's unhindered. That word unhindered, I would suggest to use, would mean something like the victory that he had. Because through shipwreck, through trials, through all that he had faced, now through house arrest, he still was experiencing victory because he could teach and preach the gospel and it was unhindered. Nothing could stop it. Isn't that awesome? Nothing. Satan had thrown everything he could against the early church and guess what? He could not stop the gospel from going forth. And I tell you this day again that if Satan would come against his, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ultimately Satan will find that he will face ultimate defeat because the gates of hell will never prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus. So in some sense, this is a victorious conclusion. And guess what we're going to see one day? A victorious conclusion. But it will not be that the story goes on of proclamation. The story then, as I suggested earlier, would be perfection of the salvation that God has given us. We're all marching toward it. The story will go on as far as us proclaiming until what? Until Jesus Christ breaks the eastern sky. And at that moment, there will be no reason for gospel presentation any longer because the good news himself will be embodied in the return and take us who have trusted him to be with him for all of eternity the story will be finished and complete but until then I come back to that question what are you doing to impact the story of Christ for your family members, your friends, your neighbors, for even strangers you don't even know. Are you fulfilling God's work for your story plan right now? Will you commit yourself 
to boldly sharing Jesus with everyone you come in contact with. Let's pray together. Father, I pray and thank you for my friends and my brothers and sisters, so many who are here today. And God, I am convinced, I am convinced that you have written us into your story. I am convinced that many in this place have accepted you as their Savior. And I pray, Lord, that you would use them, that you would speak into their lives, that you would help them fulfill their purpose and the plan that you have. Father, for some who are here this morning, maybe they're in the gathering, and they've never publicly professed you as their Savior, but you're calling them, you're trying to write them into the story, you're, you're urging them through your Holy Spirit. God, may they respond to you. God, use this invitation, this time of commitment for us to celebrate the decisions that have been and that will be made for you. We pray it in Jesus' name.